On Apple and let us know what you think of the show. It helps us so much. And we are so grateful for your support. We can't tell you how much. This time around, you are spending time with one of our favorites. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. The wonderful, charismatic, and stunning storyteller, Alice Krieg. She is an actor who is constantly giving us amazing characters, bringing the most fascinating prose to life in everything she does, from Star Trek to Oz Perkins' Gretel and Hansel and a master performance in the role of Holda in that film. For this conversation, we step into the world of her new movie, She Will, a time of release in theaters and VOD now. An immersive visual feast crafted by Charlotte Colbert, scored by Clint Manzel, and executive produced by Dario Argento. It's a tale of witches, revenge, connection, and poetry. Sit back and enjoy episode 333 with Alice Creek, now slaying... Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is an exceptionally gifted actor and producer who has brought us into the worlds of the greatest stories ever written through the eyes and hearts of the most unforgettable characters ever created. She continues to do this as she constantly reinvents herself on stage and screen with a powerful and visceral elegance, surprising and challenging the audience, enriching our lives through her journey. Her early feature films include the Academy Award-winning classic Chariots of Fire and John Irvin's spellbinding Ghost Story. The latter not only boasts a wonderful cast, but lush cinematography by the legendary Jack Cardiff and the dual effects team of Dick Smith and Rick Baker. The variety in her work and sheer breadth of her catalog has been staggering. Beloved TV, including the Emmy-winning Ellis Island and Murder, She Wrote, Beverly Hills 90210, Six Feet Under, Dead One, and Carnival Row. 
joining the Royal Shakespeare Company, taking on everything from The Taming of the Shrew to King Lear, earning tremendous acclaim from the London critics, garnering a Laurence Olivier and Plays and Players Award, producing two of her own award-winning films, Jail Caesar and Shingetsu, all the while rearing a cavalcade of cinematic magic. The Oscar-nominated Star Trek First Contact, Sleepwalkers, Silent Hill, Thor The Dark World, and most recently, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the breathtaking portrayal of Holda in what we think is one of the most beautiful films of all time, Oz Perkins, Gretel and Hansel. She is poetry incarnate and has the power to make the world stop in front of and behind the camera. And she has done it again with her newest project that follows the events that befall an actor and her nurse while on a remote healing retreat in Scotland, whose mysteries open a portal of revenge and consequence. Directed and co-written by Charlotte Colbert, it is She Will. At time of release, opening in theaters and on demand July 15th, it is a complete honor to welcome its star, Alice Creek. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a bit speechless. Thank you. Well, wow. I mean, I feel like one of the guests at the retreat fawning over the star of uh, Navajo Frontier right now. Uh, <laughs> well, this is, Alice, this is a very special film. So, first of all, thank you for sharing your journey within it with us. It was incredibly moving to experience that journey through you as Veronica. This film is a meditation on so many things, yet it's instilled with that poetry of a song that also lets us live through it with our own interpretation. I think there's elements of the power of nature, there's preservation, feminism, and I would love to hear your thoughts of exploring just ideas in general through the power and importance of horror and, and how horror tends to open up the frame. That's a, a really wonderful way of putting it because horror is such a broad church. Mm. It is such a wide umbrella. It allows for something like Chainsaw Massacre, um, the sequel, but also something that is horror of a psychological nature, um, internal horror, the horror of trauma. So that it's it you know that it 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 enables a spectrum of exploration. But there's another thing that, for me as an actor, it gives you the permission to to enter a, a, a space where life is felt very, very intensely. You can paint in very, very strong colors. It's very liberating to, to be able to do that. I recall that when... I um, was was offered sleepwalkers. I didn't quite get to my great embarrassment. I have to acknowledge I didn't quite get the script to start with. And Mick Garris said, well, let me talk to her. And Mick laid it out for me. And suddenly the penny dropped. And as I started to work on it, I suddenly thought, well, she's a tragic mm. figure. She's a truly tragic figure. Okay, so... Volumnia in Coriolanus. And I went out and I bought 30 yards of crimson fabric. And I, I had a tiny workroom that was meant to be a cupboard. And I lined my cupboard with crimson and I sat inside it and learned my words. But you, horror gives you that permission to, to go that, um, not, it's not that you're doing big acting. It just opens the door to possibilities that, that otherwise 
are 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 not on the table. Very good way and of putting it. Yeah, it kind of unlocks the imagination, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like like Holder, um, fairy tale to be unleashed into the realm of fairy tale heightens everything. Everything is condensed and heightened and more intense. And it gives you so much room to, to play in. Following along the path of your work in all of its twists and turns across genres and styles along the way, there is always one common thread. And that is that you tend to seek out the extraordinary. What were things about this character, Veronica Ghent, this new mask that you were excited to explore and figure out how to bring to life? Was what was extraordinary about it was that Veronica begins the journey and she has become her mask. She's her, her mask is held, she holds it so tightly um, to, to, as a protection from the world, which by this point she, well, she feared. And by this point, she's just ossified. She's just rigid. Um, she's entirely inaccessible. She's incredibly angry, terribly hurt. And the film takes her on a journey. Where, where the cosmos conspires to disintegrate her mask. And going from a place of grief and anger, she is given the opportunity to trust and to love. It's cathartic to experience that transformation as an audience. I, I will reveal that to you. And watching you not only connect slowly to the other characters and open yourself up to that, but your connection to the environment around you, the trees, the earth, the energy of the past. There are scenes where you are very much immersing yourself in the nature of the area, covering yourself with soil, for instance. What was that like for you yourself outside of the character, just to open yourself up to that connection? And how has that impacted you? Uh, after that experience it's you know i was i was born in the kalahari desert which is an extraordinarily dramatic landscape it's uh, a red sand a brick red sand desert so i think i was born into a situation where the sky was pitch dark and the milky way seemed to be within hands reach and and the earth was drama in and of itself mm. and and so i i find it very difficult to live in a city because i feel utterly bereft if i don't have access to to the earth to soil to all of that and to a night sky so for me to be given the opportunity to actually have that up on film. I've never been in a movie where nature and the cosmos are, are, are a character, mm. are an absolutely transformative energy in a, in a character's story. And it was wonderful because I think 
we get so busy in our lives and especially with the, us all being connected to the internet to actually step back and experience our origin, which is nature and the cosmos, is, is transformative. And, and there it is, writ large in this film. And we filmed in an extraordinarily wild, beautiful part of Scotland, up a mountainside. And it was terribly cold. And it was either frozen or ankle deep in mud. And um, in the sequences where she shifts into a parallel dimension, I was very scantily clad with nothing on my feet. And it was fantastically helpful. I mean, mostly I just felt as if I was dreaming. So it was, I really did feel kind of out of my own body a lot of the time. And, and you just opened yourself to the power of the presence of those trees. I mean, I've never seen a movie where you are obliged to look at a tree mm-hmm. or to look at mud. And, and the, the sort of surprise of that is quite striking. Leo, you had a question about the magic of the movie here. You could bring it in. Yeah, in the film, uh, your co-star Coda studies the history of witches. Uh, for this role, did you get to research the witch trials and the torture methods? And was, that, was there anything surprising that you learned from doing so? Yes. Obviously, I did read about the witch trials. What was astonishing was how many people, both men and women, were burned as witches. It was really quite shocking. Just very, very shocking. Charlotte said, you burn someone, you want to completely annihilate them. You want nothing left of them. But of course, you can't do that because their ash becomes part of the earth and the earth's memory. So, Yes, I, I did that research, but in the end, my, my task is to find Veronica to, to, to live in her shoes. And she discovers the witches. She didn't know about it. She discovers it there. And so there was a bit of me that had to discover it with her. Staying with Veronica a bit more, the film opens up with this beautiful monologue beginning with the line, every mask has a function, and eventually this mask is about preservation. And it's not only what those lines say, but there is a wonderful alchemy in the delivery and cadence of those lines. And that's one of the many things that you are a master of. You've shown us time and time again in your performances, whether it's this or Mary and Sleepwalkers or Holda and Gretel and Hansel. It feels like there is tremendous, just a tremendous amount of care into just how things are said and the weight behind them. What does your homework look like to instill power in the poetry? I'm fascinated by words and, and the, the impact they can have and the, the fact that they are a means of trying to crystallize what you feel. So I, I generally learn an entire, I learn the role before I 
get there before I go to the first day of work because then all of her words are inside of me. And, and the words are, you have the story, but the words are also a very important starting point. And for me, at any rate, I have to find why she says those words. I have to get to a place where I've understood them so completely that, that, that there are no other words she could possibly say. Mm. And, and that is um, a, a way in, really. I never know what the way in is going to be. I don't have a thing like if I get the right shoes, there she is. I, I don't know what it ever will be right. or if it will happen for that matter. But the words are an are a incredibly important starting place. We'd love to discuss a bit of the connection to these other wonderful actors that you share the space with and she will, starting with uh, Kota Eberhardt, who plays your nurse assistant, Desi. In what ways... Do you find that her choices inspired you and helped to inform you? I mean, there's a scene where you remark that she looks like a, I think you said an anarchist with a day job. And she says she doesn't consider this a day job. And you give her a wonderfully subtle smile and she looks back at you. It's a great interplay there. The tennis match is really palpable. Tell us a bit about that connection with her. Kota, God bless her, came a week after we had begun. Oh, wow. And because of work permit issues and such like. Sure. So she was kind of tipped headlong into a locomotive that had already <laughs> kind of left the station, yeah. um, which was, you know, must have been enormously shocking for her. And we were fortunate because we shot. I was there for five weeks, so it was really fast. But we were fortunate that the first week after Kota had joined was it had breathing space within it. And so we got to have to eat together at night. By the time we were in week like three, everyone just fell into bed at night. There was no time to do anything <laughs> other than bed and maybe bath in the morning before we started again. Um, but we had like 10 precious days in which we actually got to just be with each other. And then, of course, what happened was that this, the words took over. But she gives a performance of such delicacy that it's almost invisible, which is... A, an extraordinary accomplishment, quite remarkable. And, and that, for me, was a huge inspiration to match that. The Boo Crew will be right back. Listen to the voice of Simon. Fire, air, water, earth, charge, 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 charge. Fire, air, water, earth. Charge, charge, charge. It's the whole witchcraft scene in Simon, King of the Witches. The Black Mass, the Witches' Coven, the spells, the incantations, the curses. For a totally different kind of motion picture magic, you must see Simon, King of the Witches. 
Starring Andrew Prine and Brenda Scott in Metrocolor. S-O-N-O-E-O The Black Mass is the evil mass and Simon cringes before it. Be sure to see Simon, King of the Witches, in color. From the Fanfare Corporation, rated R. Did you get to keep any of the costumes or props? Is that something that you like to do? Collect things from the films that you've been in? I used to. And then our house in California burned down in a wildfire and there was oh. nothing left. Wow. And um, what's astonishing is that my husband and I, never, well, there was nothing to say. We didn't really talk about it. it was, there was nothing to say. Yeah. Um, but the one thing we did say was that we would never collect stuff again. And blow me down, 12 years later, we have inherited stuff from two sets of people. We have more stuff than we lost in the farm. How did that happen? I don't know how that happened. And now I'm going to deal with all that stuff. I thought I was done with stuff forever. Right. However, I was given one costume, which is that red slip. Do you know that she wears at the end? Yes. And it hangs in my closet as a sort of emblem of what she was, which was a phoenix rising from the ashes. Mm. Beautiful. And that was given to me by a very, very dear school friend who has gone through a similar physical series of events that Veronica went through. And I asked her if she could bear to talk to me about it. And uh, she is a, a, a very powerful woman. And she said, absolutely, absolutely. And she laid it out for me in graphic detail what she went through. But she left me with that. She said, you have to rise like a phoenix from the ashes. And it, I hope that that resonates with women who are going through that, that shocking, terrifying, difficult process of, of breast cancer. And, and, and she had no idea what the film was really about, but just through pure serendipity and synergy, that rises a phoenix from the ashes, totally gelled with the imagery in the film mm -hmm. of women being set alight and, bomb, you know, women tied to the stake. And although you don't see a woman being burnt, you do see a bonfire. And I'm very glad one doesn't see a woman being burnt because I think that would be very, very difficult to, to witness. But um, the, 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 what one is aware of that as, as, a, as an event in the film. Um, and, and, this was just a wonderful way to to wrap up that imagery of of destruction mm -hmm. that it is turned into a, a very potent strength. Yeah, 
Yes, Layla Burns uh, plays young Veronica in the film, and in those scenes that we see her, she seemingly has your expressions and movements. Did you work together? Did she study your character for her performance? I don't know if she did. I think it was just an inspired bit of casting. Um, she, I thought she was such a touching figure in the film. I think she, she just takes your heart. There's just such a, an innocence. This is exactly who she is, a, a vulnerability and a, and a, a babe in the woods. Um, I, I, it, it was just, a, again, a beautiful performance. Um, and I don't know if she had watched any work that I did, but whether she did or not, she just came in and, and nailed it as a present in, in the story. When Veronica first gets to the retreat and she is barraged with a virtual rogues gallery of characters <laughs> all at once, and they're each giving these like radically different and wild performances of their own, including, of course, the amazing Rupert Everett. What a cool experience as an actor, I would imagine, to be at the center of that tempest. How did it feel to be in the middle of all that energy and to see what everyone was doing with their decisions and delivery? They were, they were, it, as you say, it was radical and it was wild. Yeah. And every single one of those actors took a hold of the, the kernel, the germ of a role yeah. and ran with it. I mean, just, they, it was this rogues gallery, yeah. as you say. And everyone just thought, right, we're going to make this as juicy and as wild and as whatever as possible. And they did. Yeah. It was, uh, and uh, yes, I did feel thrown into like a firestorm, really, yeah. of, of personality. <laughs> um, and for me, to work with Rupert was a joy because he and I had been at acting school together. Oh, wow. And I had not seen him since, since then. And that is more years ago. Neither of you were alive. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> and to actually... Work with Rupert again was just glorious. And I must say that to work with Malcolm. So I, as a, as a, as a 17 year old, my parents brought my brothers and I to England for a holiday, right? That none of us had ever left the country before. Uh, country bumpkins come to town <laughs> and, um, they had to go back, and I spent two days in, in, in London by myself. I mean, I was staying with friends of my parents, so I wasn't entirely unchaperoned. But I did do something radical. I went and saw A Clockwork Orange. Oh, wow. Now, you must put it in the context yeah. of South Africa that had the most severe censorship. We only got, you know, Hallmark movies that kind of movie. We had no television. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> then you go to Clockwork Orange. Oh, wow. I had wow. no idea what I was in for. I was pinned to my seat. I think I'd stopped breathing at a certain point in the And the credits rolled and the lights came up and everyone left and I was just sitting there. 
absolutely paralyzed. And an usher came to look at me and said, Are you all right? <laughs> Eventually, I managed to gather myself together and leave. So I was standing outside the trailer and I knew Malcolm was inside. And my heart was beating so hard, I couldn't hear myself think. Um, I don't know how I managed to climb up the trailer stairs, or frankly to speak. I was so nervous. Um, he just got up, and he stood up, and he said, Alice! And he flung his arms around me oh. and gave me a huge bear hug. And that was the beginning of uh, an absolutely hilarious three days. I don't know if you've ever met him, no. and if not, I hope you do. He is funny and subversive and twinkly all at once. Um, he's a master raconteur, the storyteller of the First Order. He had us all absolutely in the palm of his hand. I usually kind of stay very quiet and very still by myself between takes. But I was, I, I just was drawn like a magnet to, to, uh, to Malcolm and the stories. Um, he's, he's a force of nature. Oh, and I think he does an extraordinary performance in this. It's, it, there's very little for him to work with. But he manages to find a moment. And it wasn't really there in the script where you think, that in the wee small hours of the morning, Eric Hathborn faces what he did to the little girl. And when she, Veronica, shows up moments later and he says to her, what do you want? And she says, the truth. He cannot say it. She has faced the truth. She's dealt with the truth, yeah. but he cannot say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, which is why it ends the way yeah. it ends. Yeah. yeah. Along on this journey, too, got to mention the, the cinematography. Uh, Jamie Ramsey is behind it, creating these absolutely stunning visuals for this, making it immersive, uh, an immersive ride as an audience member. And obvious, yeah. obviously in scenes where we have that glorious bathtub sequence where a drop of water opens into the cosmos or your confrontation with Eric Hathborn, a lot of those elements come into play in the post-production process. How do you achieve that emotional interactivity in those scenes without that element there on set? And what did you think when you were finally able to see the magic of those sequences in completion? I mean, one has been told that the water drop will be the peat and the spirit of the witches, that the ashes, the energy of the witches mm. will infuse you. So, so you know that intellectually, but then you've just got to kind of do it. But I must say that, that Jamie, Jamie and, and Charlotte and I were like this – Triangle. It was as if we were fused together. Mm. They would, they would both be behind the camera, and Charlotte would say, "Cut," and there was this immediate connection. I just had to look at the two of them, and I knew 
<laughs> whether we had lifted off or not. So it was, and and they they were both of. I got so much from both of them. I, I it's it is the ultimate joy when that happens. When there's just this unspoken flow of communication that they didn't even need to speak really by the time we were halfway through um we we just kind of knew where we were going and what we were looking for um and when they did speak it was just always opening a doorway for me and i think jamie's work is extraordinary he was operating as well as lighting oh wow so um it's an enormous burden but it meant that we could work as fast as we did that not a moment on that set was was wasted and 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 it was very very direct there was there was it, and we were shooting of course not on film but on tape so again that makes the process speed up when you're not having to load magazines and it's it's a slightly different process and energy he was he was a a key part of of how the f- the film succeeds at what it sets out to do because it is one of those rare movies where every element tells the story yes yes it, i think clint mansell's score unbelievable you can't imagine the movie without it yep so so every con- and i mean uh, a wonderful lady called Jaquetta Levin designed the makeup and she did this um, graph or mood board of, of how the makeup would change as we journeyed through oh, wow. Veronica's arc. And she took me to um, a, a, a makeup group called Code 8, Cruelty Free, and, and their, their chemist made four different lipsticks and you you don't necessarily notice it consciously but she starts off with that slash of red for a mouth and by the end it's a very very soft almost invisible color and that was a, a charted color shift Oh, wow. Um, See, those are all um, those elements that you feel. You know, you really feel it as if you're not knowing that it's necessarily there, but you feel it. Yes. And, 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 you know, it was plotted the moment that my hair would be unbraided. You know, it's in those dirty braids that haven't been washed for, for the whole first three quarters of the film. And then eventually, as the pain drops away from her, the, the, the tightly braided hair unravels. So, so all of that was charted. And it's just um, an example of the amount of, of care and contribution every single person made. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the, the set, the set design, I mean, we can go on forever. Laura Sellis Cricks, who did this remarkable set design. My God, that train car at the beginning, in the opening scene, it's like, oh my god, that was amazing! That panelled old train car that you're riding, yes. you're riding yeah. in on. Oh, well, we're getting it's a real train. Is it know? really? I was going to ask all about it. Oh, I know wow. we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask. <laughs> it's you a real can, train. You can go up there and catch that train. No Absolutely. way! It runs in the summertime, not in the winter, understandably. But um, it's fabulous. 
it is like going on the Orient Express, except you're going up into the wild highlands of Scotland. That is the coolest. We hope to plan yeah, that. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're going to make that a trip. Well, one last question yeah. we do, we'd love to ask just about, as far as you're aware, I mean, Dario Argento was on this film as executive producer. As far as you are kind of aware, at what stage did he get involved in becoming kind of an advocate of She Will? He actually, Charlotte met him. The film was totally completed. And the first festival that it screened at was Locarno. Oh. And Charlotte actually won Best First Film at Locarno, which is a great accolade and richly deserved. Um, but Dario Argento was there. He was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I think he was acting in a film. No way. And he saw the movie and he loved it so much. And when, when he contacted Charlotte to say how much he loved it and what could he do to help its birthing, its journey out into the world, yeah. because he's made the film. And then there's a whole other thing that, that has to happen for it actually to get seen. And he said, how can I help? And um, they invited him to come on as an endorser and an executive producer. And Charlotte says that it was a revelation for her to actually meet him in the flesh because she had so admired his work for so long. And she kind of, he was always contained in the font of, of, the, of, the, of the titles of his movies. Sure. That was how, when she thought of Dario Argento, that was what she thought of that name up on the screen and suddenly she met him in person she was just blown away and and incredibly touched that he loved the film and wanted to help its 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 birthing its emergence into yeah. the world and so he came on board to to give it a kind of hallmark, I guess. Sure. And there's, the, I mean, there's themes and aesthetics that very much coexist in his ethos yeah. in, in the film yes. too. So it's a, it, it's a match yeah. made in heaven or in hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alice, we are at the end of our time. I mean, we could literally talk to you for like two more hours. I think there's, an, <laughs> there's so much we could ask you about everything that you've ever yeah. done. But again, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing just everything about this journey with us and, and we hope to be able to do it again soon and best wishes with the, with the release of this movie. Thank you. And I really hope our paths cross again. Thank oh, you so much. They surely will. Thank you so much, Alice. And that was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 333. Special thanks to our guest, Alice Krieg, and special thanks to you for being here with us. At time of release, her new film, She Will, is in theaters and VOD now. Check it out this weekend. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's Trev for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Tales from the boocrew.com tales from the boo crew on facebook and instagram follow us on twitter at tales from the boo the boo crew is lauren and trevor shand and leone d'antonio the boo crew is produced by lauren shand chopped and sliced by trevor shand the boo crew is a tsp creation part of the bloody disgusting podcast network bye 
Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.